Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. It's been a little while, so apologies for that, but we're back. Myself, Matt, Tom and Jordan are all here. Uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, what, what, have we, what have we been up to? What have, we, what have we been doing that's kept us away for so long? Oh, it's been a busy time, hasn't it? Uh, we've been spread out all over the place, haven't we, really? I think Tom's in the way. Mm. I've, had, I've had visitors over and work. It's just been a, a busy few weeks. But um, yeah, it's good to be back and good to be back in the podcast chair again. Absolutely. Jordan, you've been very busy with your uh, your YouTube videos. They've been uh, causing a sensation, haven't they? You've been like, racking up the followers and, uh, and it's all really good content. Yeah, I appreciate it, Matt. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been a good way to do it. I like having the visual aspect as well, and um, yeah, it's been good. Thanks yourself for watching as well. Yeah, yeah, I had you up on the on the big screen, um, as you saw. Uh, I sent you a little photo, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was. I'm glad I finally made it into the Messiano living. That's it. I mean, that's that's the highlight of your of your what, career, career I'd say, yeah. today. Yeah. And, yeah. and Tom, you had a lovely time in Ireland, didn't you? Uh, I suppose. Managing to avoid some of, some of the depressing Watford fixtures that we're about to talk about. Yeah, quite. It's been uh, it's been nice to switch off from it, but one can never truly switch off. However remote and beautiful a place you're in, there's there's always a little bit of uh, 4G signal floating about to to keep you in touch with the real world. But um, yeah, I probably missed quite a good period. I think really didn't I? And, and, and back with a bang or something like that yesterday for Sunderland. So yeah, good to be back. Good stuff. Well, let's get into it then. Um, we could talk about a couple of games that we missed, but I think the big one to go to really is Blackburn because that's where we hit an all-time low for this season, at least. It, it, it never really felt as though this season has properly started for Watford. There's been no real performance of note where we've we've had a chance to say, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do going forward. I suppose there were, there were maybe a couple of 45 minutes here or there where we played okay, but... Blackburn was absolute dross and I think the whole fan base, uh, you know, voiced their opinion uh, of disapproval uh, on on Twitter and various other feeds. And um, it just wasn't good enough, was it, guys? Uh, Jordan, let's start with yourself. You've gone into this quite a lot, um, particularly in your last video. What, what were some of the big issues with that game? Uh, Blackburn, we just weren't, we just weren't in control. Um, we, we weren't able to get the ball forward. We just couldn't really find the space we needed to be an offensive threat, and we we were reactive. We weren't proactive again. Um, we let Blackburn kind of dictate the way we played, even when we had possession. They just didn't kind of give us the space that we wanted, and we just weren't able to find the way forward. And we really, really struggled. It didn't didn't look good. And the wing back situation was still an issue. The outside centre back still an issue, and the, the midfield was still an issue. So, despite some attempts to do some some different things, try and wrangle control, it wasn't really executed. So. It was probably our biggest back step, I'd say, in terms of the season as it's kind of gone on. We've had a few ups and downs, but I think that was probably the biggest regression of performance we've seen so far. Tom, at the end of the game, we saw um, several fans who had made the journey up to Ewood Park uh, shouting towards the general direction of the Watford players, in particular Daniel Backman, because I suppose he was the closest to them. And, you know, he came over and kind of addressed some of those problems. But... uh, Watford fans um, are, are not enjoying the football at the minute. No, and and for full disclosure from the off, I didn't see that game. I was sitting eating a fantastic burger in uh, Wexford, but uh, which I think was marks me out as the one winner on the night. I was talking to Andy, who's the guy who sits next to me in the rookery, 
and has done for the last 15 years or so. And he went on Tuesday night and I thought, oh my God, what? You poor bugger. Um, and he had nothing good to say about it. But I think, yeah, in terms of those kind of scenes post-match, it really felt like it was the game where it just all came to a head, you know, post-transfer window and frustrations off the back of that. Players still playing in the wrong positions, players who aren't kind of suited to the te- the role or the system or whatever it may be. And, you know, a lot of kind of anger probably directed towards or intended for the owners and the decision makers probably, you know, transposed onto the players who, you know, shouldn't escape scot-free. They can't hide behind the excuse of not signing a right wing back, for example, for, for 46 games this season. But, you know, I think if you polled most Watford fans, they'd say that the the chief subject of their ire is the ownership and the people that bring the players in and do the recruitment and whatnot. And, you know, Rob Edwards might make decisions that people don't agree with in terms of team selection and tactics and substitutions and, and tweaks in game. But I think that's the thin end of the wedge. But after a performance like that, I think it just all kind of came to a head. And to be honest with you, it probably needed to come to a head because, you know, it's been bubbling under really all summer, hasn't it? As we know, and as we've discussed ad nauseum since really since June, uh, and we closed the book on last season and an open one for this season. It's been a, a similar kind of theme of feeling that we're not, we're not, you know, got the tools to do the job. We've not given Rob Edwards the pieces that he needs. We've not kind of given ourselves the best chance. And it's just, you know, a repeat of the last few seasons, really. Um, and I think, understandably, support of dissent has probably reached an all-time high, or not probably, has reached an all-time high in the in the Pozzo era. So, yeah, something, something had to give. And I think that was the result that kind of tipped a lot of people, if not all people, all supporters over the edge. Mm. Jordan, what, what was your uh, verdict of that one? Well, yeah, I think Tom pretty much pretty much nailed it there. I think there's a a level of frustration. I think the um, the, the frustration amongst the fan base has been growing. Obviously, you're not going to find a more antagonised group of people than the fans that have travelled to that Blackburn game because that's a a rough ordeal to go through in the best of days. Let alone when you get served up that sort of performance. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely kind of the catalyst for a change in some respects. That it, it was it was such a negative experience that I think it kind of it was a culmination of all the issues that have been going on for the last few years. And and yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I can really add too much more to what Tom just said. I think you pretty much summed it all up. You've had a look, Jordan, at, um, at how Watford could change tactically to try and combat some of the problems that they were facing in that in that game. Do you want to talk for a couple of those? Yeah, I mean, we we just I discussed the, the the different kind of roles you you could give to the players in the pitch and and, and different areas of uh, of opportunity to, to receive the ball and move forward and find ways of progressing the ball because that back three, it was it was kind of emphasised at Blackburn how difficult it was for us to find to find midfielders and once we did get there, get the ball forward yet again when you have the talent that we do have available to us in the forward positions, you've got to be getting the ball to them. Uh, and they've got to also be effective when they receive it. But it is, it's something that we can definitely work on. Obviously, we saw yesterday, I'm sure we'll get to in a second, we saw yesterday Rob went down a different route to try and address it mm. um, with a change of formation, change of shape. Um, but at, at least I'll say he was proactive enough to look for a different route. If we'd gone into the, same, into the game in the same manner, I think we would have struggled even more. Um, it would have been a, a possibly worse result. But look, it requires, it, it requires a lot of um, uh, a change of approach, not just positionally and tactically but also mentally from the team there needs to be more confidence driven into them because there's going to be occasions where they have to take some risks in, in a positive way and they were a little bit too conservative against Blackburn uh, obviously some players coming back in helped uh, against Sunderland I think but there's there's still more to come so I'm, I'm hoping that we can see some more positive changes because yeah it was it was not um, not an effective performance on uh, on Tuesday. In your video, Jordan, you spoke a couple of times about the dreaded U-shape that keeps coming up with with, with Watford's playing. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the U is the um, the passing along the back line between the wing-backs and the three centre-backs. The ball just recycles back and forth until inevitably one of the outside centre-backs decides to go long uh, and turn over possession. It's just a, it's a very easy way to... It's a very easy way for an opposite opponent team to, to sit back, vertically compact, not put pressure on the, on the centre-backs and just ask them to make decisions with the ball. Um, it's hard It's hard for them to do so. That's where you, it's what we talk about the, the outside centre-backs all season. You need someone that can be incisive in possession or um, someone that can carry the ball and draw, draw men to them. If they don't do either, 
then you just got a complete mismatch in, in numbers and it's very easy for the opponents to defend. And we've seen that time and time again. That uh, game was was frustrating for more than just the results. Uh, Watford picked up a couple of injuries in that game, uh, including Tom, Jeremy and Gakia, who was before the game hailed as almost the, the returning messiah for that right sided slot. Um, and it seems like we're gonna, he's going to be out of uh, contention now for, for some time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about you, so I never thought I'd see the day where Jeremy and Gakia was kind of heralded as the solution. That, and that, that's not to kind of give, uh, pile on him or anything like that, because I actually think he's a decent footballer and a decent defender. You haven't heard in Gakia and Messiah <laughs> in the same sense? <laughs> I can't say that I have, no. Um, it's just bloody typical of our kind of fortune at the moment, it feels like, doesn't it? Pete, we're not, you know, and I don't mean that in the fact that we've had kind of massive misfortune, but just, you know, the kind of injuries and niggles and whatnot, you know, we're putting a lot of hope on certain players. I was saying this to someone yesterday, we're putting a lot of hope on uh, Keenan Davis and, and justifiably so on yesterday's evidence, um, Courtney Hills and then Imran Loser when he comes back as well to kind of come in and be, you know, the, the, the solutions. We obviously put a lot of pressure on Hassan Kamara playing on the wrong side. He got sent off, missed a game, except, do you know what I mean? Just over the course of the, the season so far, and this is the thing that makes me, you know, try and hold back a little bit in being too uh, I don't know too binary in my views is to say I still don't think that Rob Edwards has been able to put out what would be his first 11 with the players he's got let alone the players he needed to add to the group as well um, I still don't think Ngakia is the answer as a right wing back but if as Jordan said you know we're going to be flexible and, and use that back four shape instead or shapes uh, uh, building from a back four instead which actually I think might not be the worst thing in the world at the moment given the kind of confidence level of our centre-halves and the availability of centre-halves um, then I don't see why Ngakia can't can't be the one to sit in there particularly if you've got someone like Saar ahead of him I, we obviously saw how well he linked with uh, Kiko Feminier in the championship last time but we obviously you know don't expect a huge amount of defensive work out of him so it probably makes sense from a balanced point of view to have someone like Ngakia behind him who's pretty defensively minded and defensively solid but yeah it's just uh, we've got people there are people on Twitter that kind of talk about us having a perfectly good squad for this level and there are people that talk about us having a terrible squad for this level and I think the truth is probably somewhere in that kind of centre that we've got some decent players we've got some players that are perfectly serviceable we've got some players who just aren't the answer but the biggest thing for me is I just think there's a complete lack of depth it feels like a very thin squad and every time someone picks up a niggle or a knock or, or worse in, in some of these instances I just think oh I'm not sure how many more of these blows we can sustain um, before you look at that squad and go this is nowhere near it this is nowhere near it and, and undeniably so well you're saying you're saying you have enough saying this squad has got enough talent for the champ you know that's it's such a broad statement it's such a more complicated issue you know it's all it's all well and good having a V8 engine but it's not as good as a Peugeot 206 you know you're not going to throw it in there and think you've got the amazing amazing car it's the same thing you've got <laughs> great talent yeah sure but we've also got some big gaps and deficiencies over a, over a game you've got you've got 40 games in the season and you're playing against a lot of teams in short periods of time as well as cup competitions you can't rely on some talented forwards to to get you through all of those situations and um, you know balance of squad and team building is so so important it's especially these days it's even more so and we're still yeah we're still somewhere off that somewhere off that Rob Edwards has been asked um, a couple of times now about that right side and, and he's always replied in a similar vein saying he's happy and he's comfortable with the options he has there in, in Gaspar and in Gakia and he, he rates Kamara as a right-sided player as well but some people um, like Andrew French for example have, have made the point that um I mean, almost like you're saying there, Jordan, that, uh, you know, you can be happy with something, but that doesn't mean that you can't be even happier. And and the questions are being asked as to whether, you know, he's been supported well enough by by the club, particularly. I suppose that's a, that's a casing point that you can look at and say, well, there's an, an area where he definitely hasn't been supported. But um, overall, do you think that he's, that the club have, have done the best to to provide uh, Rob Edwards with the um, the playing staff that's capable of, of getting out of this championship? No, not at all. Um, no, not even close. I think the right wing back situation. I mean, there's plenty of positions we could talk about. Um, yeah, there's there's lots we could have addressed. But I mean, the right the right wing back position in itself is is the obvious one. I mean, look, Rob Rob can say what he likes publicly. I completely understand his position, but 
I think we have to be we have to we have to really not confuse him saying he's happy with the squad as, as defending the ownership. It's not. It's defending. It's not defending those who decided not to give him a right wing back. It's defending the players that he has. He can't change that now. So what benefit is there for him to to say he's not happy with the playing staff? It's just going to you know disrupt any possibility he has of having that functioning team. So there's not a doubt in my mind that the Rob Edwards wanted the right wing back, and it's it's been something we've been crying out for since the beginning, since the first day he was appointed. Uh, the first thing that we were talking about genuinely was, well, right wing back is a clear position of need. And that's when we had Kiko Femenia. And that was because, A, Kiko Femenia had his injury concerns and we knew how vital it was to have a functioning right wing back on that pitch um, to the point where we couldn't even rely on having Kiko Femenia. He's a very good player at this level and he'll be very good in that position. We couldn't rely on having just him because if he it went down to next man up, we'd be in trouble. Now you've taken him away and we didn't replace him. Mario Gaspar's come in um, I still have questions about how we've used him, but clearly Rob doesn't fancy him. He wasn't in the squad yesterday. He wasn't injured. He was fit, but he wasn't chosen uh, in a team that had one right wing back who's had injury concerns. Oh, sorry, one right back or right wing back, I guess you could say, in Ngakia. He's had injury concerns and was off the field and we were left in the position we were left in. So the club has certainly not backed Rob. And we could discuss multiple positions, but right wing back is the, the glaring one. Okay, well, with those injuries... Um... Rob Edwards clearly had a decision to make with regards to the Sunderland fixture. He decided to change back to a four, which uh, he has done in the past this season. And, you know, he has had variable levels of success with that. Um, why did you think he went for a four this time, Jordan? And with the uh, bringing in of True Steckong as well, how did that add to the dynamic? Well, I think his way, I think his shift to a four was to be a little bit more on the front foot. Um, I think just getting the ball forward, you can be a little bit more direct and having the, the wide players, the attacking midfielder and the central figure of Keenan Davis just got numbers up the pitch a little bit quicker, got bodies around the box. It, it, it worked to begin with. I thought the first 10 minutes of the game was the best opening 10 we've had um, yesterday against Sunderland. I thought we, we looked better. We're still a little bit sloppy though um, at times in possession through midfield, but we did get the ball forward. Um, we were able to get at, at the, all the opponents. Ken Semmer and, and Jao Pedro were having success and, and Keenan Davis has been really, really good bounce board there in the middle, um, finding ways forward. So it was it was a good change. I, I thought we did struggle a little bit with the press, although earlier on, I, I appreciate that we were trying to be somewhat patient. There was a few, quite a few groans around the stadium when we ended up passing back and, and recycling the ball. But in my opinion, at least we were looking for, we were looking for avenues out um, looking for ways to get forward um, and, and not just kind of relinquish possession so quickly. We did struggle a little bit though at times. We tried one of the things that, that Rob tried to do, I'll, I'll probably discuss later on in the week as well, but he was dropping um, Hamza Chowdhury into the centre of the defence when in possession just to be another passing outlet um, and kind of pull players around and allow those centre-backs to push outside and kind of resemble somewhat of a back three. The issue was Kambe his movement was not looking for the ball in that area um, in ahead of Chowdhury and it just was limiting our options. We needed a Spreer and Pedro to drop a little bit deeper too at times just to help us in the build-up and we weren't quite quick enough to do it and Sunderland are quite an energetic and um, smart team off the ball uh, and they really did punish us and I think that's something we just have to we have to find a way to contend with and we can change shape and we can try and be flexible and it's good to have that flexibility especially with the injury concerns we have and so on. Um, but we are a little slow to adjust in game, and whether that's whether that's from the sideline, from the players, or both, it's, it's hard to tell. Tom uh, Cabaselli's come into a, a bit of criticism, and, and he was uh, replaced uh, yesterday in favour of True Stekong. Um, what, what's your opinion of Cabaselli been this season, and has he uh, justified the criticism he's received? A little bit of criticism. It's a disgrace the bloke hasn't been put up against a wall and shot if you listen to some of the fucking idiots that occupy <laughs> Watford Twitter. Now, obviously, that's not my opinion because I've got two brain cells. Um, look, do you know what? Christian Cabaselli, perfectly serviceable defender, shouldn't be starting games in the Premier League. Uh, but I think you have to look at it from beyond his actual technical ability, what he's good and bad at, and look at it on a human level at this stage. And just the criticism that he kind of draws you know he's a human being he's quite active on social media i'm sure he sees it whether he seeks it out or not the way people are when he makes a mistake and he has made mistakes this season and even yesterday i think there was probably some culpability on the equalizer from his point of view wasn't there mm -hmm. um and it was as we know while i was away there, there was uh involvement on his part in some of the goals i just think at this level he's confident at this time at this point his confidence is kind of dented if not shot 
and people are just looking and just waiting for that little first little mistake to jump on him. And I just don't think that's a conducive environment to playing your best football. Um, I'm not saying he's he should be immune to criticism. Absolutely not. They should all be you know criticised when it's it's fair and just. But I think he probably cops more than he should because he's an easy target by his performances. Yeah, of course. But familiar familiarity and what he kind of stands for. And, and Cathcart's probably in the same bracket as well that he's been around for a while now. And it's just like, oh god, it's Craig Cathcart and Christian Cabasele again. Yes, that speaks for a wider, more endemic problem when it comes to recruitment of defenders at this football club under the Pozzos, absolutely. But I just think in the Championship, he's perfectly serviceable, but the, probably the conditions are not helping him. But as I say, he's not he's not immune to criticism either because he has made some pretty high-profile errors and we're only nine games into the season. I think the thing with Cabaselli too is he's... For me, for me personally, my personal opinion, I don't think he's good now. I think he's cost us too many games. It's cost us too many opportunities. And I, I just don't... I don't think he's he's good enough to be playing for us at this point. But I think the thing that emphasises the the frustration with Cabaselli is that we just extended his contract. Was it last season? Um, and currently he's set to be around for two or three years, which is um, a little bit odd. But crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think we've 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 invested so little in our central defence that it's it's an area which is is definitely under more scrutiny, especially when they are making making large errors. Christian Cabaselli's played every single game this season. And the fact is, we identified how big a need again that that position was for the team, and it's not really been addressed. Courtney House was good; that I'm glad that got that deal got done and that he came in. And I thought he played reasonably well yesterday. But Calisetti, we've seen, um, isn't really up to it at the moment. And whether it's temporary, whether it's permanent, we don't have other op- we don't have other options, or at least Rob didn't see- deem us to have other options. Now I, I think we'll get into that too because it's not just on. Cabaselli, we've also got a coach who's picking Cabaselli as well, so we have to discuss that. But um, the fact is, yesterday he was, you know, he did play a big part in the goal. He he came into the right position to come across and, and, and go for the header, but he didn't, I mean, he missed the ball um, and it dropped behind and obviously scored. So it's it's tough. I, I feel for him on a personal level, as he said. Like, I don't want to see anyone get battered online and have to see that stuff, but he. the reality is, unfortunately, he's been he's been quite poor and uh, it's, it's had an effect. Don't you think those are those are the, exactly the sort of mistakes you make as well when you're low on confidence and probably should be taken out of the team? That kind of that kind of judgment thing where it's almost getting in your own head because it's been a similar kind of mistake two or three times now, hasn't it? Where it's like, do I go? Do I not? And then you kind of get in your head and think, oh, I'll go for something where you know I'll, 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 I'll if I stick my head in here or stick a toe in here yeah. or squeeze up here or whatever, you know, I'll be the kind of hero in that moment. Not necessarily yesterday, but as a, as a more broad point, I'll be the hero at this moment. I'll I'll get a round of applause for reading the game well or doing something that actually wasn't necessary, and then backfires and creates an issue. Or you think, no, I'll be clever here and I'll drop off or I'll duck or yeah. whatever, and then it goes. Do you know what I mean? It goes the other way. And it's just kind of in his own head, I think, as, as well. Yeah, I actually just I I just think the thing with with for me, I, I think his best his his best play comes from being in the back four. Being being the player that can that plays in the ground, he can pass the ball a little bit. He can be he can be tight in his marking. He's not he's not an amazing athlete. He's an okay athlete. He can stay he can stay with with strikers at times for the centre especially, and just getting his foot in and uh, and playing the ball that where I think he struggles in space um, when he's when he's often up against wingers, which as we discussed as a right centre but outside centre back is a real difficult position for him to play. I don't think he's he's suited to it at all. Um, but I also think he's quite poor aerially and. Obviously, in the championship, there's there, you know, it's obviously harped on about a lot, but there are more crosses into the box, and I think he struggles in the air. I don't think he's good in the air, and I think he knows he's not good in the air. Um, we saw the goal against Rotherham where he kind of ducked out and and kind of hid a little bit from the responsibility of going for the ball, and you know, unfortunately, on on replays on the camera, it's quite obvious that he did so. Um, and then the second, and then the goal yesterday, I think he tries to be a little bit more aggressive and it, it was the right decision to go for the header and try and get that ball out. He had to attack the man. Um, he had to attack the ball in the box otherwise it was going to get to him um, which is fine but he kind of ducks his, he kind of, you know, his, his head goes into his neck a little bit and he's, he misses the ball and it's such a fine, it's such a, it's such fine margins we're talking about here because it's really easy to discuss that as a criticism say how bad of a thing it was for him to do that but it happens so fast the split second decision um, but you know this is ultimately what we have to judge these players on, and you know on a, I sympathise on a personal level because any of us can make mistakes like that, and and it sucks when it's it's building on each other and 
kind of snowballing a little bit. But look, the simple the, the simple thing is, we're a team that's trying to win games and, and look for promotion, and we we need to have players that can that can function the team. And it's not just about Cabaselli; it's about the, the the system as a whole, the recruitment system as a whole that we're still in this position now. Was Akong a a, a big improvement on Cabaselli? Well, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit surprised the Akong. I mean, the Akong in the back four is fine. I think he he would have, I thought he had a decent game yesterday. Um, I definitely prefer him there to Cabaselli. It, it's I don't think Kong, a Kong is the answer overall, but I think if I had to choose one of the two, I'd still choose a Kong. Um, but I'm, I was a little bit surprised Siriato has dropped. I think Siriato has been decent this season, especially when he's been the central figure of the back three. In the back four, maybe not as competent, but in, in that central figure as a back three, I think he's our best centre-back at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would... Cabaselli's last on, on the list for me in terms of players I want to see on that pitch from that back line. That's just my opinion of him, though. Okay, okay. Um, in terms of the actual substitution when that was made, the Cabaselli one, uh, and Gosling wasn't um, too dissimilar around the sort of time, I, I think. Um, you had some criticism, Jordan, for the... Was, was it the timing or the substitution in general? or What, what, what did you want to air about that? Well, I mean, the, the timing's obviously dependent on injury too, so I accept that it's not completely down to um, the coach obviously the, the Davis substitution I mean he was probably fatigued but I, I thought that it, it didn't the change of the Davis didn't work well um, and I understand I'm, I'm not I don't have access to the the information on his you know on his fitness and health to, to maybe say about the timing so maybe that's a little bit unfair but taking off um, taking off Kamara um, and, and, and pushing Semmer back to, to left back was was questionable uh, I think we've all seen Semmer's kind of frailties defensively at times. He's not good at stopping the ball getting into the box for one, which is something that Sunderland were really trying to do at that point. And he's also had a large um, physical output that game. He'd been working pretty hard. So, you know, Kamara was clearly feeling his hamstring, so that's fine. But we suffered there. Partly, you know, partly decision in, in um, from Rob's standpoint to change the player for who he did. But also, you know, we didn't have any left backs. I, I do think we could have done more. But anyway... Um, and the right side, Craig Cathcart, obviously injured too. But the thought of Cabaselli coming on to replace at that point, there was it was not that long left in the game. I'm surprised we didn't bring on Serie A to move a Kong out wide and just switch back to that back three and, and kind of figure something out at wing back, keep Ken Semmer at left wing back, and then you know maybe even if you had to play, uh, even if you had to play Dan Gosling on the right for a, a few minutes, it would have been serviceable. But to bring on Cabaselli at right back, just um, just not a good look. And I know it got. I know the goal kind of came about the way it did, but I'm also would have been more concerned about players running at him um, from the left and, and and causing trouble that way. So, yeah, I mean it's it's, it's frustrating because there's a mixture of options available, but also the decisions that were made were were odd to me. Let's have a talk about that Davis one because when Davis came off, it, it was notable because he had such a great game, guys. And I'll come to you first, Tom. Um, that when he when he did come off, it, there was uh, you know noticeably a lacking. Uh, there, uh, uh, that physical presence, and and a few people on on Twitter have, have have commented on how Davis has a similar kind of mold to Deeney in the way that he just is so good in the air in in bringing the ball down and controlling it. But but um, he's got more mobility it, it, than 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 I think Deeney had. Yeah, big time. I thought he was excellent yesterday, and I said after Hamza Chowdhury's debut, you know, it's always easy to kind of crown the home debutant um, man of the match because you're looking for them to be brilliant and if any little thing they do is kind of applauded. But I thought Keenan Davis, like Chowdhury on his debut, was genuinely excellent yesterday and, and, and rightly man of the match for his performance. Um, you know, the goal caps it off nicely, but even if he hadn't scored, his all-round performance and, and kind of link-up play and, as you say, the way he kind of used his body was everything that was advertised, I think, wasn't he? Everything that we expected from his time at Nottingham Forest from what we'd seen, read and, and kind of been told by Forest fans. Um, it, it, right from early on, he was, you know, he was quite happy dropping in, using his body, bring the ball down, hold it up, lay it off, used it intelligently when he did. He would also, you know, on a few occasions showed that he was quite happy running at people using that, you know, he's not necessarily lightning quick, but he's no slouch either. And he was quite happy kind of getting his head down and running at people, you know, got in the box well for his goal, but it wasn't by any means just sort of hanging around in that kind of, we always saw it with Troy, didn't we? That kind of left wing position, who quite sort of, or left wing inside forwardy kind of position where he'd sort of linger 
quite often wait for the ball and sort of gesture for the ball. But Davis was very active, very mobile, got about. And I thought, yeah, as a kind of proper line leading number nine and performances go, it was really encouraging. He was tiring. And I think, you know, there is going to be an element of easing him in and there's going to be an element of managing him this season because we know, um, you know, before he's even arrived, we knew that he had kind of, not necessarily fitness issues, but, you know, had to be managed correctly. Otherwise, you know, you'd, you'd kind of risk burning him out, risk ruining him. So it's it's a shame that um, that's the case, but we've just got to kind of get the best, I think, that we can out of him um, and hope that Bayo, Manai and Pedro can score the goals as well and, and kind of not the drop-off isn't too bad when he's not on the field. But I think we missed him after the goal went up. After he went off yesterday, I think we missed him big time. John? Yeah, he was unquestionably our, our best player yesterday, I thought. And in a lot of ways, he was, again, he was completely solid. Um, he, he got around the pitch really well. He he plays his back to goal excellently. And I think when we've watched um, when we've watched Pedro and, and Espria play, uh, even, even Sara as well, the quality's there. But because they pick up the ball from deep, obviously Espria starts deep in that midfield position. But Jao Pedro, he, he comes deep, he drops. He's played at 10, he's played as a striker, but regardless, he's always to come deep to pick up the ball and find space. And so often that that is broken down because when he does get the ball, eventually he's got to pass forward. And we've not really had someone in that position who's able to to take the touch, hold off a defender and really you know, delicately lay it off and put it in the right position. But Davis does that. And there are a few occasions yesterday where some of the best play we had, I'm trying to think of, I can't remember the exact minute off the top of my head, but there's a bit of interplay between Pedro Davis and Espria ended in a bit of a flat shot from Espria, but it was some of the football we've been wanting to create and it really came through Davis where uh, Jao Pedro has picked up the ball from deep, he has a good turn, beats a few players, plays the ball inside to Davis and Davis has a really good first time layoff and it eventually gets to Espria on the right who cuts in and tries to shoot with his left, which again doesn't pay off, but that sort of interchange, it's not, it's not possible without someone like Davis there. Uh, and it elevates the players around him, and that's what you do. that's what you want from those sorts of strikers. Someone that can that can be in that position and 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 make the most of the quality we have in forward areas who aren't you know direct goal threats all the time. Pedro's ability and skill comes from deep, and we want to you know utilize that as much as possible. So that was really positive, and also to cap it off with a goal as well was was good. And um, I think he makes us a better team. So getting him in there as much as possible is 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 key for us. Yeah, absolutely, definitely a. Man of the match performance. I'd go so far as to say that if he hadn't been playing yesterday, Watford, you know, would have probably lost that game because of just the impact he had on it. And even then, we weren't always utilising. I think we still need to. He is good in the air, but I think we we're still too quick at times to look for him aerially. I think you want it into. He, he does an excellent job of bringing the ball down from his chest and and taking a touch. I think his control is better than Troy's um, ever was for us. And I'm not saying he's. I'm not trying to compare him to Troy actually anyway. But I'm, if just because that comparison was drawn. Um, I think that his his use of the ball with his feet is superior in the sense that he's able to to once he has received the ball, I, I trust him to to link that play quite quickly. He takes a touch, brings the ball down quite effortlessly, and then also gets the winger or whoever's around him into play very quickly and effectively as well, which is massively key for us. And I think if we are going to start to build that offensive output we've been hoping for, he's central to that. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Absolutely. Um, I'm aware that we've spoken about quite a few negatives so far already in this in this program. Uh, David is obviously a clear positive, but um, just... Judging the, the the Watford draw yesterday with that of the recent performances, particularly Blackburn, there was a a clear improvement, which is a which is a good sign, um, on the whole. I think Jordan said it earlier, but the start was probably the best I've seen, uh, having obviously missed a few games as well. And then the, the start of the second half, I thought they came, um, they came out with a real renewed vigor and intensity and got you know the ball moving quickly, got into dangerous areas. And actually, the goal almost almost had the adverse effect. In that, after that, they kind of dropped off again and invited Sunderland on a bit more. But the first kind of twenty minutes or whatever it was up until the goal in the second half were really good. And I think that's the best period I've seen in person uh, this season. And I've watched a few on telly or watched them back or whatever. Um, so there were positives, but I think as Rob Edwards himself said after after ten games, you know, inconsistency is the word that that sums us up best. And that international break has probably come at the right time to 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 work on some of those issues that we've been having. Mm. Jordan, you, you you think that there's a it was a better game yesterday on the whole? Yeah, it was better. It was different issues, um, but it was better. Uh, I think at least we're trying to be more proactive, and I appreciate that. And we also had more offensive output. I think it was our best offensive display uh, in terms of creating you know just creating opportunities. It still wasn't the the end. It wasn't the complete product wasn't the, the kind of end goal we're looking for but um it showed us closer to getting there i think it's we have to, when you're kind of looking at the game again and i'll go back and watch it probably today but you have to try and take emotion out of it as fans and, and look at where the positives were and then try and break down how this thing could improve because um it, it was better in some areas and we have to try and at least cling on to that somewhat and and look for options and, and possibilities of how it could continue to improve so do you think, John, that um, given the injuries that Watford have, four at the back is likely to stay for a while? Um, yeah, I mean, it could it could well do. I think I think we are in a bit of a difficult position injury wise. But then again, I will add that I thought I thought that um, Cathcart, our right back, was, you know, very good, actually. Um, certainly he surprised. He surprised me with with his ability there. Um, certainly, I don't think he has the the capability to go forward really in that role. So it, it is definitely him in a back four that that is suited to most. But um, I'd be quite happy with him to stay there if if you know he's able to replicate that kind of a performance. Yeah, I think it's um it, it's something that he can do. I think it's definitely a, a you know a, a plan B sort of situation. I think you still lack something from having him there. Defensively, he can be sound. We've seen him do it quite a few times in his career for us. He's often been shipped up there under Sanchez Flores and even under Cisco. I remember away at Norwich, he played right back and did quite well um, in the championship a couple of years ago. He's serviceable for sure. But I think, you know, if we're a team that's looking for promotion, looking to, to kind of be at the top end of the table, you've got to be having starters in their positions. And um, it, it's got to be a short-term one for me. But uh, in in terms of shape, it's something we can we can continue with. I still do think quite strongly that in an like ideally we'd be playing the back three. I think it is the most robust system for us, and we'll get our players involved in where we want them to be. But yeah, I mean positionally right now with the injuries we have, Rob might see fit to stay stay with where what we kind of have been doing this last game. It, it's a real tough one. There's so many kind of fractured a- aspects of the team. It's it's a really difficult one to put together. There's no. There's no situation you put the team into where there's not some deficiencies at the minute. So it's kind of just kind of decided picking your poison a little bit, really. I think this is the best indicator of Edwards being let down. The fact that after fewer than 10 games, he's already abandoned the system he used in all but one game last season to go to a back four. You know, if he'd used another back three shape, then, then so be it. But, you know, he's kind of moved away from that principle already because he just hasn't got the players or doesn't believe 
you know, the options that he's been given, Gaspar being a prime example. I wasn't sure if he was injured or not yesterday, but you said he wasn't, Jordan. Um, yeah. You know, left out the squad entirely. It's just so damning that they've brought in a coach that we know, you know, fairly well what he's about and they would have known better and evidently not equipped him with the tools. That's the, the best kind of summing up of it, I think, that I can, I can you know, come up with. Right, OK. Um, Watford are coming up to an international break, which is always a worrying time for a Watford fan. Watford currently lying in 10th, 14 points, one point outside of the playoffs. A couple of seasons ago, uh, Ivic, who had a better record uh, than Watford currently do, uh, was dismissed not long after this sort of timing. Uh, it feels around the sort of time as though Watford would make a change if they were going to. We know that Munus um, uh, has uh, been in the stand watching a couple of games. Questions are being asked as to whether Watford will uh, sort of back up the statement they made um, at the start of the season and, um, and back the manager um, even through the hard times. What I suppose I suppose the question is question to you guys is um, do you think that's likely to 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 be the case? I think they will back them. You know, stick so true to their word. They made such a song and dance. I think they have to, or they'll lose all face if they haven't already. Go on, John. Yeah, I mean, I think they look for me. For me, what what they do is hard to predict because we are we are difficult to predict at times. I really hope they don't decide to move part ways with Rob, but. Uh, my personal opinion on on that situation, I think that it would have to get very bad to to decide that getting rid, rid of Rob was the right decision. I, I think the way they've done things so far, the half measures they've taken, the position they've kind of put him in, I, th- I think it's very difficult to assess Rob's job at this point, uh, and it needs to be it needs to be something which is given some time to to to, to progress. And I think personally, I, I still do think we're a couple of windows away from from being where we want to be, uh, I, I would have a lot of concerns if this team did manage to get promoted as is, and uh, in, in how we can actually reshape things in the summer and so on. So, I think in, with that in mind, you might as well just see how it pans out and see how he can change things around. At least find out about the coach a little bit, see what he can do, see what he has to offer as well as assessing some of these players as well. And I think that the getting rid of him would just be, again, kicking the can down the road and, and putting us in a situation to to redo all these things again in a few months' time. And I don't want to see... If Rob went out and Cisco Munoz came in, I think I'd be... I'd, I'd struggle a lot to be uh, motivated the rest of the season, to be honest with you. It is a little peculiar that um, that he's been at, what, in, at two Watford games in a row. What, what we've been told from from things that have been reported is that he's here uh you know just enjoying watching some football um but the, the choice that to, to go to two Watford games in a row was was the one that surprised me I thought well he might you know he might take take on Watford Watford game and then perhaps you know watch other football there's plenty of football out there in, in England but the fact that he's watched two in a row just raised the question raised the eyebrow didn't it well yeah but who wouldn't want to go watch Blackburn away uh, on, on a Tuesday <laughs> from Spain I mean <laughs> Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, look, he's got, he's got. I'm sure he's got friends and and stuff at the club still that he, he's close with him. Probably just wants to come. I don't know. It's it's a little odd, but I mean, I don't think. It, I I don't see him coming back in to, to take over that position anytime. So if he does, I mean, look, it's not about Munoz. It's about the fact that the club's just going down a a tiresome, endless cycle of, of, just shit. Honestly, I don't want to. I can't watch that again, um, with any enthusiasm. So. I think we're all at breaking point in regards to that sort of uh, behaviour from the club. So I, I think sacking Rob would be a very, very negative uh, decision regardless of who came in after. The fan base is divided at the moment. I think that would unite the fan base, wouldn't it? If they sacked Rob, I don't I think there'd be anyone left really truly hanging their hat on pot. So. No, and I'm not saying Rob's exempt from criticism. We can criticise for sure, but he's clearly been given... He's clearly not been given exactly what he needs to to thrive, and not not every coach gets everything they need. I know that's not the case as well, but I'm sure that he was not sold this this plan when he was brought in. Uh, and it's as I said, it's really hard to assess his job. We don't know it, we don't know exactly the the day in day out kind of running of the club that he or ability that he has at the t- at the club to to influence things and change things. So it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint 
um, all the time, like what he's doing positively and negatively. But we do know that there are deficiencies. And I think given that, the club should be very aware, okay, we can't pin our blame here on um, on this head coach this time. We've got to kind of maybe look at ourselves or perhaps look at other aspects of the, the, the backroom staff, such as the uh, sport there. Director of Football, perhaps. Indeed, and that leads us on very nicely to Cristiano Giretta. Uh, the Watford Observer reported that he's been dismissed. The Athletic have said that he is still around, but that there are talks ongoing as to whether his first team involvement will be uh, removed or, or changed in some way. Um, let's let's discuss it, guys. What uh, what do we feel about 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 this? You start on this one, Tom. Go on then. I, I almost don't know how to feel because I just feel like he's a bit of a misdirection, really. It, it felt like a classic. If if Let's assume he's gone, right? Let's take Andrew French's reporting to be 100% accurate. After the Blackburn game, there was an, a, evidently a bit of an epiphany, a bit of a realisation that things weren't right and a head had to roll. And in the past, I'm confident that the head coach's head would have been the one to roll. So in the end, they did the next best thing and took it out on on Giretta. I can I can well believe that being a scenario, um, but honestly, without knowing what these people do day in day out, which we're not ever going to truly know, despite the the link to the article that people have sent me where he kind of outlines his role, um, I do I do wonder what you know. Someone said rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, and I thought that was quite a good analogy to this because <laughs> you know it's just like. I, I, for one, don't believe that he alone takes responsibility for recruitment or he is the ultimate kind of person that holds the power of veto and recruitment. I still think that's Gino. I still think that's Gino. So, all right, fine, sack him. But unless that results in meaningful change structurally, and I don't mean that to say I don't want one, I just mean the structure should be that that person has power and, you know, in terms of responsibility, that power is devolved down to them. Then I just think it's it's meaningless. You just cut the head off the serpent, and another one spawns. You know, so I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how to feel about it. I'm very very cynical, as you can probably tell. <laughs> yeah, I think I think with with Giretto, it's it's very difficult, as as you said, to assess exactly what his role is, his influence is. Is a it's a it's a it's a team, it's a group of people that have that have influence. And as you said, Tom, there, Gino has a lot himself. Um, so it, it's a difficult role. I think for me. The, the the positive that I could draw from it would be not so much um that he's sacked because of a terrible job he's been done that he's sorry that he's done but more so are we looking to bring in a different style that can a different style of director of football that can have more influence you know someone that can perhaps be more positive for us and and have a, a bigger influence over the recruitment style because clearly uh, that there have been issues recruitment wise now whether or not that happens, I don't know. I think my my feelings personally on this move, on this sacking, whatever you want to call it, all all fully depends on who comes in if someone comes in instead. Because if we if we bring in the director of football that has you know positives about him, we kind of have an understanding of what he likes to do, and and he gets the freedom to be someone that can build a, build a squad for this team, you know, long term, regardless of head coach. Then that's a positive move. If we replace with someone who's given the same kind of perceived role as Giretta then it's a bit of a sideways move. It's all in the replacement for me. Could Giretta's role be absorbed into Rob's uh, duties? I would strongly suggest no, um, given that it's a, it's, a, it's a big ask without running the first team as well. Uh, you I want mean, in, to... in the past, football managers had that role. Well, I mean, we're going back you know, 10 or 20 years here, but yeah. I mean, I mean they, always the case. They did, but there's a reason why they don't now. And I think asking... You know, it's asking asking a coach to be. It's like asking the pilot to be the mechanic as well. It's just not necessary. You know, we can we can we can be smarter than that. We can have we can have a much broader scope um, of, of 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 players available to us. You know, more of an understanding connection to other to other people within the job. Um, just a better understanding of the role required. I'm not saying Rob can't have any input, but I don't want Rob having time away from his coaching duties to be looking at you know videos on Scout from for countless hours of players in South America or, you know, it's, it's, he can suggest what he wants and what he needs. And then the it's up to the head of director, uh, sorry, director of football to be taking that into consideration and applying that to his, his, um, his remit and his, his plan for his, his, his employees. So 
yeah, give Rob some input, sure. But this is a very important position in football, especially in the modern game, and especially when teams have such wide wide views of world football now they can see these players everyone has access to the same players and or, or very similar access you have to have someone that's good at building um pieces together and building a team assembling a squad and right now we don't really have that we're too mismatched obviously we rely on agents quite heavily or at least one agent quite heavily um and it's too fragmented we need to have someone with a clear plan a clear understanding and allowing the freedom to to, to run with it Okay, cool. The uh, the international break also offers something else to Watford. It offers them uh, time to get players that are injured, that are close to coming back uh, fitter. And uh, two players that are believed to be getting closer and closer are Tom Deli Bashir and Imran Loser. Um, Imran Loser, I think, closer than than the than than Tom. Do you reckon he might be able to feature after the international break? And, and how important will will he be to to improving this side? I think that was the expectation, wasn't it? They kind of come back after the first international break. I think he will be important. I think, as I said earlier, we kind of have to be careful not to put too much pressure on him and expectation on him and pin all our hopes on him. I always put this back to, um, or I regularly put this back with players to Gareth Williams when he got injured. And uh, we, we signed him in the Premier League. He played well for a few games and we're thinking, right, when he comes back in the Championship, it will be great. He'll be the answer to all our problems. And he never did. And everything crashed and burned under Boothroyd. Now, I'm not saying it all pinned on... Gareth Williams, because obviously that's moronic. But I do think the longer a player is out, the more they become the, the panacea, the silver bullet to all the problems. And I think that's the case with Loser, who built up a bit of a kind of popularity, a bit of a following in the, the time um, kind of after he got in the team at last season and started to do well. And then obviously the season that was ended prematurely. So, you know, he's, he's probably not going to be 100% straight away either. You can't just come back after a, a long term out, long time out uh, surgery and, and so on, expect to, to hit the ground running at 100 miles an hour, particularly in a dysfunctional team. But yes, I believe we're going to be much better off with him. And I just want to say, by the way, I think we've said it in our WhatsApp group, but some of the kind of narrative around him, oh, zero goals and zero assists last season. Just have a look at what he's actually in the team to do and what he brings. He's not a goal scorer or an assist provider. That's not what he's there to do, but he can perform a very important role. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but you know, I don't want to kind of put too much expectation on it and make it kind of shit or bust when he gets back in because it's it's not that simple football. Well, and it's the same with it's the same with Davis. It's the same with all these players. We we have so much. There's so much pressure on them to be to perform because we're just so desperate for those players and that sort of player. I think that's again. It's a, it's a it's a testament to how poor the the squad building's been. You know, if Imran loses out injured, which you know can happen, there's no no alternative to to replace what he can do. So when he does come back, it's like we you know we need you now. We need you to, to perform as well as you can because we've seen last season. I mean, you go back and watch some of his performances last season. The fact is that the 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 guy can he can pick up the ball, he can play with it confidently, he can he can have energy, he can play from deep, from further forward. He was actually quite tenacious off the ball as well. He's a good player, and he was our, in my opinion, he was our best midfielder last year. And we want that player back in the team for sure. There's no doubt, and he'll make us a better team. The worry is going to be. Again, if he was to get injured, if Keenan Davis was to get injured, if Pedro is to get injured, you know, we've had some short-term injuries. If one of them is to get a long-term injury again, then we're in, in a different situation because there is no depth behind. And as, as you said earlier, we are wafer thin. So when it comes to these players coming back, it, it can't be soon enough because we need them in the team now. Uh, okay, then, guys, uh, two weeks to go and then uh, it all comes back again for uh, Stoke away. And uh, I'll be there as, as will you, yourself, Tom, I think, yeah? Yes, that's the plan, certainly, yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that one. What, what, what do we want to see in that game? What what, what, what are we hoping for? Oh, well, I mean, we're hoping for... Realistic hopes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to rein it in. Um, I think the things I want us to... The things I want to see from that game, I'd want to see control. Um, I don't just mean control possession. I mean, I want us to be the team that's... That's the, the the proactive team, the team that's setting the tone. Whether that's you know structure off the ball, um, impetus on the ball. I want to see confidence, uh, and I want to see us. I want to see us kill a game off. I want to see us. I want to see us control for a, a period of time, for ninety minutes if we can, and uh, and and put on a performance that's, that's good across a whole ninety minutes. Because so far it's been flashes of, of positive and negative in every single game, and we have to we have to start putting together consistent performances if we're to challenge for playoffs. 
Tom, what do you want to see? I think a continuation of the the positives that we did see against against Sunderland. So obviously, what Jordan said as well is absolutely right, and that's probably you know kind of encapsulates this a little bit as well. But it's you know the kind of the bits that we've seen from games that we would like to take forward have been so few and far between and so inconsistent. We just need to see that little bit of progress. You know, I don't think anyone's expecting a kind of jump forward in light years, but, you know, something that says, right, we've, we've taken the bits that we liked from the previous game, we've built on them and tried to, you know, be more front foot, get the ball forward uh, with more urgency and, and kind of more emphasis on on getting the ball into dangerous areas rather than this kind of stale possession, backwards, sideways, backwards, sideways, which, you know, has a part to play, as we sort of said earlier, but ultimately is, isn't the be-all and end-all. Um, I think, you know, defensively, in a lot of the games I've seen, I miss QPR and I miss Blackburn, but I feel like defensively we've been okay. It's it's the front kind of the end of the team that needs to you know needs to start. I don't want to say holding up its end of the bargain because it's kind of reliant on the rest of the team building up and the build up play, but it's you know it's that kind of side of things now that is the the big the big area of concern. But you know Stoke of uh, Stoke have kind of kept a couple of clean sheets in a row now, haven't they? Beat Hull handsomely drew at QPR so you know they're gonna have a bit of time on the training ground as well um with uh with Dean Hol- oh, sorry, Dean Holden Alex Neal which is obviously going to help them so yeah it's gonna be a it's not gonna be an easy game by any means no I, I just I just want to see a, a first away victory of the season I think I think I think we're crying out for that it. would also be nice that would also be nice as, as we look at the table um Watford in 10th the the playoffs are starting to become the thing that Watford are, are fighting for with uh, nine points now separating them from from the top place Sheffield United it that that automatic place is, is starting to drift far away even even at this early stage yeah it's slipping away the further and further this kind of season goes on we have to yeah we have to see as I said consistency across 90 minutes to start kind of catching up if we are to do so um, because right now we're just not we're just not really quite there are we so yeah, I mean, this is a close league, and we know it can change very quickly. It doesn't take long, uh, you know, to, for things to to switch around. But uh, I'd say the objective has to be playoffs at this point. And that's kind of where we're at, in my opinion. We can take some heart in, in knowing though that um, of those ten fixtures, we've only lost two. So you know, we're we're talking a lot about negativity and and, and things that are going wrong on the pitch. But Watford still are, even with the problems they have, um, you know, a decent side at this at this level and and you know the fact we've only lost two is is you know something to take uh pride in i think yeah but it's just true but only losing two and you're still it's still bang mid table pretty much it's um it shows how close things are but we we do have somewhat we still have a good enough players to do okay it's just it's just changing that into being a proficient um winning team Right, well, we'll be back uh, again uh, after the Stoke game. Um, and uh, hopefully it'll be all three of us there. We're, we're aiming to get these out uh, either on a Sunday or a Monday uh, on, a, on a regular basis, on a weekly regular basis. So sometimes we'll be covering two games. Sometimes we'll be covering just the one, depending on how the schedule has gone. But uh, that's, that's our plans moving forward. Uh, also, another note towards... Uh, Jordan's fantastic YouTube series uh, if you want to listen to that or watch that in fact uh, you can find him at Watford Analytics um, and speaking of Watford Analytics that's your handle on Twitter as well uh, but it's at Jordan Weimer uh, and you can uh, follow Jordan on Twitter you can follow Tom on Twitter as well at TB Burdell and you can follow myself on Twitter at Messi Messiano if you have a question uh, for the pod or just for us just uh, you know, send us a DM or, or, or tag us in to uh, whatever it is you want to ask and, and we'll be able to do our best to, to to give you an answer oh any reviews matt whilst we're here uh no 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 reviews uh no new reviews to report on jordan but um if you do want to get a review in um just go to apple podcasts find us there the watford fc buzz podcast go down to the bottom give us a rating out of five uh, and leave your comment and uh, we'll read it out on the show Good stuff. We also have a Patreon uh, that you can get involved with as well. Just a way of supporting the show. If you'd like to do so, you can find us on Patreon. Just type in Google uh, Patreon Watford FC Buzz and you should find us. Uh, and you can follow us on there too. 
All right, okay, well, thanks very much for joining us uh, and for waiting patiently for, uh, for us to get another one out. Uh, they should be coming more regularly now. But nice one. Well, thanks, guys, uh, and we'll, we'll see you next time. See you in the next one. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.